Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, church family, Pastor Kerry here. Before we dive into God's Word together today, I'd like to mention three, three, sorry, three quick things. First of all, uh, please print uh, the message outline for this message today off of our website. And I'm just saying that because I know I've taken a, a couple of weeks off from providing an outline. Well, this week I was able to get one done. So download the PDF, and that way you'll have a, an outline that you can follow along with me and take notes. Next, I'm excited to announce that since our county's COVID-19 metrics have moved down to the next tier this past week, we've been granted permission by Freedom Middle School to resume public worship services next Sunday, October 25th at 9 a.m. So please come and join us and bring a friend and bring your loudest voice and your Bible so that we can raise the roof for Jesus. That is good news, by the way. Praise the Lord that we get to resume public worship services. And then uh, lastly, I want to just thank all of you who have continued to financially support the ministry of Vanguard during the shutdown. Your generous, faithful giving is a huge encouragement to my family, to our leaders, and to the rest of the church. Well, there's an old Swedish proverb that caught my eye this past week that goes like this. When sin drives, shame sits in the back seat. I don't know who originally said that, nor do I know much about Swedish culture, but I do know that proverb is true. Sin and shame go hand in hand. Thankfully, the Lord doesn't want us to sin or to feel the weight of the shame that follows sin. And we can see this throughout the pages of Scripture, but more specifically, we can see it in Psalm 51. So I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Psalm 51. And as you turn there, let me give you just a little background on this psalm. Psalm 51 is a, a prayer slash worship song that King David wrote to the Lord after his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. This was exposed, you might remember, well, the story actually takes place, you might remember, in 2 Samuel. King David sees a beautiful woman bathing on a nearby rooftop who shouldn't have been doing that. He then sends his men to retrieve the woman. He sleeps with her and then has her husband killed in order to cover up the affair. The king appears to get away with this sin for almost a year. That is, until the Lord sends the prophet Nathan to confront him. Enter Psalm 51. This is David's thinking in which the fallen king pleads for the Lord's forgiveness and promises to teach God's people what he learned from the experience. So in Psalm 51, what we have is David providing an example of how we should go about getting right with God and, if necessary, anyone else that we've hurt with our sin. If you would, look at the text with me. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. 
It says, uh, David writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Here's the first point on your outline. Uh, Receiving forgiveness requires the following. And number one is this, an awareness of your rebellion. It requires an awareness of your rebellion. It's interesting to see that David says in verse 3, I know, I know my transgressions. And he even further admits his rebellion by using the Hebrew word for transgression, which means to revolt or to rebel or to trespass. Through the convicting and convincing power of the Holy Spirit, David demonstrates an awareness of his own sin by not excusing it, minimizing, or blaming it on anyone else. In fact, he even admits to feeling dirty by asking the Lord to cleanse him. If you feel dirty because of your sin, there's hope for you because Jesus can make you feel clean again. And if you don't feel dirty because of your sin, you've got an even bigger problem called a hard heart. Now, sadly, David's heart was hardened for almost a year after his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. And during that year, he ran from God and he tried to justify his sin. However, His running stopped once God sent the prophet Nathan to confront him, and the Holy Spirit opened his eyes. Now, please don't miss this. God pursues, confronts, and convicts sinners out of love. It's because God loves us and wants a relationship with us that He pursues us and confronts us and convicts us so that we'll deal with our sin and return to fellowship with Him. And folks, that is good. And we should praise the Lord for that. Next, look at verses 4 and 5 with me. David continues, Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, in sin did I, my mother conceive me. Here's number two on your outline. The second thing that's required for, in order for forgiveness to be granted, and that is in agreement with God. We have to agree with God. Notice in verse 4 he says, Against you I have sinned, so that you may be justified in your words, Lord. David doesn't argue with God or blame God for, for his sin. Instead, he says, in essence, Lord, you are right about me. He's not saying God is the only person he sinned against. Instead, I think David here is realizing that he needs to start by getting right with God, so then he can get right with men. He says, I was brought forth in iniquity, then, in verse 5, that David was reminded that sinning doesn't make him a sinner. Instead, he sins because he was born a sinner, just like all of us. 
He's also not making an excuse as if to say, oh, well, I was just born this way. I can't help myself. No, 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 no. Instead, David was agreeing with God about his true identity. We are all born with a propensity to resist and rebel against God. And our sin nature can either drive us away from God or we can use our sin nature to drive us to the Lord and to make us more dependent on Him. Next, let's look at the, uh, the, next, the following section of Psalm 51, verses 7 through 12. He says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean, and wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Instead, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Here's uh, number three on your outline. Uh, The third thing that is a prerequisite to being forgiven by the Lord, or I think by anybody else, and that is a yearning to be clean. A yearning to be clean. He says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart. The reason we feel dirty after we've sinned is because the act of sinning is contrary to God's character. God is holy and pure and light. Whereas throughout the scriptures, sin is portrayed as unholy and impure and dark. So then David says, renew a right spirit within me. So he's acknowledging that that his sin problem originated in his heart. And that he needs the Lord to do heart surgery on him. David, he doesn't want to rebel again because he realizes how much he misses intimacy with the Lord. He also knows the root of his sin lies deep within his heart, in his soul. And so in essence, he tells the Lord, Lord, I, I want to do more than just change my behavior. I need your help changing my heart. Because a changed heart leads to a lasting change in behavior. Uh, Let's look at the last section of this beautiful psalm. Let's look at verses 13 and 17 together. Would you follow along with me as I read? Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Well, here's uh, number four on your outline. The fourth thing that's needed to be forgiven by God or forgiven by others. And that is a commitment to change. A commitment to change. The sincerity of David's grief over his sin can be seen in his desire to change, to be different. 
instead of leading others into sin like he did for a year, he now promises in verse 13 to teach God's word to other sinners. Instead of remaining quiet about his sin, he promises in verse 14 to sing God's praises for others to hear. And instead of going through the motions of outward religious activity in verses 16 to 17, he offers the Lord his broken and contrite heart. Now, David doesn't stop singing and tithing and serving the Lord. Rather, he wants to put his heart back into doing those important spiritual disciplines. He, he doesn't want to go through the motions anymore. So, so in verse, uh, for example, in verse uh, 16, he's not saying the Lord no longer wants sacrifices from him, nor is he saying he's going to stop giving sacrifices. Instead, he realized he's got to get back to giving the Lord his heart first. And then out of a broken, contrite heart that loves the Lord flows worship and obedience and affection for God's word and so many other great things. Now, just like many of you, when I drive to places that I'm unfamiliar with, I have to rely on a map application on my smartphone because I don't know where I'm going. Sometimes I miss a turn and I end up going the wrong way and the voice on the map app starts hollering at me to do a U-turn so I can get back on the correct path or route to my destination. Well, that's what repentance looks like. That's, that's what a commitment to change is. It's repentance. I define repentance as a changing of the mind that changes the heart. It's changing our direction so that we are in agreement with and following the Lord. And that voice that we hear in our heads telling us to turn around is the Holy Spirit trying to protect us from getting lost. The repentant sinner realizes he or she is more wicked than they can see, and that God is more gracious than He should be. If we were to do a survey of all the believers in Scripture who came to faith in Christ, and if we were to read all the biographies of the great saints throughout church history, we would find that they all, every one of them, testifies that the power of the Holy Spirit, the relief of forgiveness, and the peace of God's grace did not come until they agreed with God about their sin and turned from it. Repentance and faith in the gospel was the message preached by John the Baptist, Jesus himself, and the apostles who followed him. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, quote, No rebel can expect the king to pardon his treason while it remains an open revolt. Thus, there can be no salvation without repentance. So, the person who is genuinely repentant says, Lord, with your help, I'm going to do my best not to do that sin again. I realize how it hurt me, how it hurt you, and the others around me. So, let's get back to the question that I proposed in the title of this little lesson. How can we request forgiveness so that it's granted? Well, by simply admitting our sin, agreeing with God about it, asking to be cleansed, and committing to change with the Lord's help.
These steps not only work with the Lord, as I've kind of hinted at earlier, but also with anyone that we've sinned against. The humble Christ follower who has sinned against others should regularly say, should be in the habit of saying, I'm sorry, here's how I sinned against you. Will you please forgive me? Several years ago, the engineer of the Norwegian-American cruise liner Vista Ford, and it's Norwegian, so I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, but he had invited some passengers to visit the ship's bridge. After he explained the operation of the navigational equipment, one of the guests remarked that all the brass in the wheelhouse gleamed as if it were gold. And so he asked the engineer, how often do you polish it? Every day, the engineer replied, the minute we stop polishing, it starts to tarnish. And so it is with the human heart. How is your heart today? If you already know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, are you keeping your heart in relationship with Him polished? Are you living a life of repentance so that you stay in fellowship with Him? I want to encourage you to do so because it's extremely important. Now, if you don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, you can take care of that today. The scriptures teach that everyone on this earth are born sinners, separated from God, and sentenced to an eternity in hell. However, the Lord solved this problem by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect life we could not, and then offered His own life as a substitute on the cross in order to pay for our sins. Three days later, Jesus conquered death for us by resurrecting Himself from the grave and returned to His Father in heaven. During His earthly ministry, Jesus taught that anyone who repents of their sin and by faith trusts in Him alone for their salvation will have forgiveness for their sins, peace with God, and receive the gift of eternal life in heaven with Him. You can do this by simply praying a prayer similar to this. Jesus, I agree that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. Please, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and resurrecting yourself three days later. I believe that you did this for me. Please come into my life and cleanse me and make me a new creation. I accept your gift of salvation, and I want to follow you the rest of my life. Well, if you're interested in beginning a new relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, I would love to talk to you about that. I'm always available to speak with or to meet with you privately. Just reach out to me through our website or social media or email or text. Would you join me now as I close our time in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for standing ready to forgive us when we admit our sin to you. The scriptures make it clear that you don't have to do that. And that we, in fact, deserve eternity in hell the first time we sin. If there is anyone, Lord, listening to this podcast that does not have a personal relationship with you, would you please help them to come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ? 
so they can have that relationship with you and have peace and have forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. And Lord, if there are any believers listening to this podcast that have sin they need to deal with in their hearts, would you please help them to see what it is and how they need to make things right with you and anyone else they've offended. Finally, thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, making it possible for us to be reconciled with you, forgiven for our sins, and to receive the gift of eternal life. There are no words, there's no offering or nothing we could do that could express how much we appreciate what you've done for us. In the gracious and merciful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to see you next week and to worship with you at Freedom Middle School. Keep loving and keep walking with the Lord, and I'll see you soon. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.